Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Brendan McGurgan. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Amy. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Thank you for having me. Well, it's about time I sort of shared you coming onto my show because you very graciously invited me onto your fabulous podcast, and it's been it was been a while ago now. But as a result of that, lots of people did reach out and ask me to to come and speak on their podcast. So I love the ripple effect that you created, and let's hope that I can repay the the same kind of wonderful sort of ripple as that I, you created for me. Um, delighted to hear that. That's 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 great and. Uh... I, it was one of those conversations that we had that my entire family listened to that because we were on a journey to, to Donegal, to the west coast of Ireland at the time, and uh, they don't often get to hear the podcast, but yours was one that was on at the car at the time, and, and every, everybody fed back so positively about uh, your message then, so thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for having me back. And if I remember correctly, you heard me speak on one of Camilla Long's lunchtime lunch and learn sessions about podcasting and, and guesting. And you reached out to me and said, hey, this is great. Let's, let's talk. So, so actually, it was Camilla who created the ripple. So brilliant. Love it. Yeah. And isn't that the wonderful thing? You know, whenever you're doing something positive and you're positively intended. And, you know, I always say this to the CEOs that I coach now. You know, the, the transformation that you will make yourself will not stop with you. It will impact, you know, your relationship with your partner, with your children, with your team, and, and ultimately their teams as a result, their partners as a result, the community. I mean, it doesn't stop with with you so um it's 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 really wonderful when when people begin that journey of transformation and share it with others I feel so and where do you feel your journey of transformation started Brendan oh, wow it, it's 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 happening every day Amy the you know I'm 46 now the Certainly the last two years has been very profound. I spent 17 years in a business, 12 years of those as CEO, and we scaled that business globally. I went into that business. We had uh, 15 people, and we were delivering revenues of about $3.5 million. There's the accountant coming out on me here. I'm, I'm leaning on the revenue numbers. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of context, and then... We, based in Northern Ireland, most of the business was, was across Ireland. And then we scaled that business to almost 700 people, realizing almost 100 million pounds revenue, exported the equipment to more than 100 countries, set up offices in six continents. So there was a lot of miles, literally, 
and metaphorically traveled in the course of the, the 17 years being with that business and 12 years as a, as a CEO. I went in in my 20s, kind of helped scale the business as part of the leadership team, then as CEO in my 30s and then into my into my 40s. And you're a very different person. When I went into the business, I, uh, I had just got married. Uh, my wife was pregnant with her first child and my and she has just let me know today that she's passed her driving test and she's going off to university you now. So that gives you, you know, that all seemed to happen very, very quickly. But I've become a very, very different person. I think we are all very different people in our 20s than we are in our 30s. And especially when you kind of when you have children, when you become a, a parent and then and then into your 40s. So I I started to reflect a lot in my 40s as a parent about the impact that we were having on the world. And there was probably a couple of trigger moments. The equipment that we were designing and manufacturing and exporting across the world is used for processing sand and aggregate. Now, I think sand, uh, for those that aren't aware, I mean, sand is used in all aspects of our daily lives. This podcast would not exist without sand. Little quartz chips in our computers, are derived from silica sand. Uh, the cup that I'm holding at the moment, silica sand, the, our telephones, um, the buildings that are we're in, every aspect of our lives is, is influenced in some way by sand. And when we're currently consuming sand at twice the rate in which the world can sustain. It's a, it's a finite resource. And after our own water, it's the, the most consumed resource globally. And what I didn't realize is that we were, we were right at that the heart of this industry and we had developed equipment to not only process natural sand and aggregate more effectively but also to develop um, equipment that was capable of processing construction and demolition waste that was previously landfilled and I recall meeting a lady called Karan Pereira and a wonderful young Indian lady who's written a book called sandstories.org and I had cause to meet her at one of our, one of our um, exhibitions, let's say, one of our one of our conferences. We were we were hosting a global conference, bringing around thought leaders, bringing thought leaders from across the world to discuss the the, the sand crisis. And Kieran stood up and and explained how the ecology of the of the village that she was brought up in had been completely disrupted because of illegal sand mining and the sand mafia. So there's hundreds of people killed globally on an annual basis because of uh, sand, which I just thought incredible. And, and there was some statistic in at that point that after drug trafficking and illegal uh, money laundering that legal sand extraction was the most prolific international crime. And I've been operating in this industry at that point for about 12, 13 years, and I, I, I knew none of this. And we had the power to, to really influence what was happening within the industry and help in some way to curb the, illegals, uh, the illegal industry of sand mining. At the same time, and maybe my, my radar was on to it, but I was reading an in-flight magazine and this lady called um, Margot Hoek, a Dutch author, she authored a, a number of books, a wonderful book called The Trillion Dollar Shift. She's an authority on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. 
And she started, uh, she, she cites in that book the importance of companies having a purpose. And at the same time, I was reading Simon Sinek's seminal book, Start With Why. And I thought, somebody's sending me a sign here because actually what we're doing in the industry, whilst we hadn't explicitly stated it, is incredibly purposeful and it can have a meaningful impact on the world and certainly the industry in which we were operating within. That was the catalyst for certainly transforming the purpose that we well we hadn't articulated the purpose at that at that stage within the actual business itself but for me to start reflecting on my own why and the, there were a number of number of kind of other trigger moments on a personal level uh, I was you know somebody somebody I love dearly quite close to me had uh, been impacted with their mental health and and I really started to to think and consider and reflect, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing, and um, and what's my impact, and you know, as a leader, as a father. So yeah, quite a quite a, kind of a number of a number of trigger moments, Amy. I would say both from a both from a personal perspective and and a business perspective, and and at that stage, you know, I I started to keep a journal. And to a little green moleskin that I still have, and and I would document on a very regular basis things that brought me energy. So what I now refer to as radiators, things that brought me energy, and I didn't have this language for it, but at that stage, you know, places, projects, people, things that I kind of got excited about that I may not have reflected on before or not not been aware of and things that that drained my energy kind of what I refer to as, as drains and I and I kept this for quite a number of years and started to started to build a picture of what it is that I that I feel that I'm good at what is it that people will acknowledge me for in terms of what they deem that I'm good at what I would like to do and, and where I can make an impact. And hence, that was the trigger after I'd, I'd genuinely planned to retire and attain a, take an extended period of time off, but that lasted a weekend. And um, I created my, articulated my own purpose now, which is to inspire, connect and enable ambitious leaders of SMEs to scale with purpose. And that was the catalyst for establishing with my co-founder Claire, simple scaling, which we did uh, a couple of years ago. Wow, I love I love this journey, this evolution that you've taken us on, and and I was completely oblivious to what Sand has uh, enabled or empowered or or led to in terms of what people will go to 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 get that resource. And and wow, I mean, number two in terms of the finite resources in the world, but also, as you say, number three in terms of the main cause for for all, all sort of evil in in the in in that world of what's what's illegal and what's happening underground. It's incredible, really. I, I want to take you to you mentioned the United Nations goals, of which there are seventeen, if I recall. Right. Yes, you're spot do you, on. Do you have a, a particular goal in mind out of those? Now, personally, we 
have explicitly kind of put out there as part of our own purpose to distribute 5% of our profits across those companies or two companies who are aligned to the to any of the UN SDGs. For me, you know, when when I was operating in the previous business and leading the previous business, we aligned ourselves to five of those goals, part of it kind of responsible infrastructure, um, gender diversity, you know, they but I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, that, uh, in terms of our own business now, we don't, we haven't explicitly called any of those out. But actually, the the teaching, the coaching around the and the the awareness around the UN SDGs is something that is embedded in our ScaleX Accelerator program. We coach now CEOs who are leading businesses on how to scale their business with purpose. And part of that, actually, we bring Marga into the program and Marga uh, delivers a workshop on the UN SDGs. And it's incredible how, how many people are not aware of the UN SDGs. And, and, and they're a great focal point for companies who are desirous of establishing a purpose and conscious that I think there's a lot of kind of purpose washing out there at the moment. Everybody seems to be jumping on the quick. We need a purpose. Uh, if you're if 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 you're genuinely well intended in that regard, the UN SDGs provide a great platform to uh, to 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 provide some alignment to what you can do. I mean, it covers all good health and well-being is number one, and you know I think everybody can can relate to that in some way in terms of what they're trying to do from a business perspective. So um, so in, in short, Amy, no, I don't have, there's not one on a personal level that, that I'm specifically focused on, but more bringing awareness to, to those certainly that I'm involved with, the companies and the, and the CEOs that I'm involved with to, to bring that heightened level of awareness to the, the UN SDGs. And it is really hard because when you look at them, that as you say, good health and well-being is one, as is no poverty, quality education, yeah. and and then and then there's things like clean water and sanitation. And you think, well, how do I prioritise these? Because you know, without clean water and sanitation, the rest just isn't relevant because we're not going to be alive because we need water to survive. So, but there, there isn't any hierarchy here. They are. You know, they are all sustainable development goals that we are looking to achieve, and it, and it is it's it's just it's a great way to understand, and and focus on 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 what you're doing both personally and professionally, in terms of the scaling of purpose. And you talked about purpose washing, which oh my goodness, I spoke about that recently. And about how now a lot of companies are having CPOs, chief purpose officers, as part of their business because they want to take control and, and ensure that they are fulfilling their their sort of statements that they've made. What is it that for you, you talk about scaling with purpose. What is it for you that is the priority of what you want to achieve? Yeah, so... And let me just take you back just before we leave that that previous point for those listening who are leading businesses. The UN SDGs can become quite overwhelming if you if you're coming to them for the first time. You know, there's 17 goals, as you've rightly articulated. You know, how do you? Is there some sort of hierarchy there? With underlying those goals, there's almost 400 KPIs. You know, so if you if if you 
if you come to those with the kind of intent of going, we must, we must find, you know, one, two, three, four goals for us to be aligned to. Where do I start? Almost just use the goals, be aware of the goals. But what I recommend is look for waste within your business. Because essentially the goals are all about being more mindful of the use of finite resource. And if you think of kind of that, you know, the the providing providing great employment, essentially the biggest waste of 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 any company's resource is the resource that lies within their people and the creativity that people have, that that intelligence that um, is wasted on a day-to-day basis because of the lack of effective processes to do mundane tasks or the culture doesn't lean on people's knowledge, people's creativity, people's desire to to want to support a company's aims. They're not asked. And uh, so the greatest waste in any business is the waste of human potential. So start there and say, you know, (laughs) are we getting people to do, you know, duplication of, of tasks and when really there's no need for that and we can free up somebody's potential in another way and and then look at kind of the different resources don't look beyond your own industry to begin with just look at within your business and 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 make it really simple uh and and begin that journey just of trying to eradicate or reduce waste and that will lead you to one two three you know or many of the UN SDGs so I, I did. I just didn't want to leave that point, Amy. Now I've forgotten your question. <laughs> it was about scaling with purpose and, yes. and what that means. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I've always been committed to growth. So scaling, you can get into the OEC de- definition from a business perspective in terms of kind of twenty percent growth year on year. Um, annualized on an average basis over that three-year period you know setting that aside scaling is about growth and I think we're all you know without getting overly philosophical we're all in this planet to to grow in some respect and I think we're wired we're naturally wired to do that so giving yourself scope to grow orientating yourself intentionally towards some some positive purpose is is just a good thing and to say we're not naturally wired to do that the the with purpose is is an understanding of the positive impact that you can make where kind of we all coexist in this plan there's seven billion kind of rapidly heading for for 10 billion by 2050 it's predicted you know we we should come to this again without sounding overly philosophical to come to this on the basis that we you know we we are stewards of the resources that we have on this planet as i've articulated with the conveyed in relation to sand mother nature ain't making any more of it so you know when you look at that three kids when you look at your kids you go you know are are we are we being responsible here with how we're we're managing the resources that are finite. So scaling with purpose is about you know, orientating yourself towards growth, but doing it in a purposeful way, making some positive impact, some social impact along the way. So what's the the goal? What's the 
the legacy, the living legacy and, and the legacy that you want to leave behind? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And my vision now is to inspire, connect and enable millions of ambitious leaders of SMEs to scale with purpose. So there's a little nuance between the purpose and the vision and the, and the nuance is essentially within the vision, it's about millions. And just putting that in, I created a, what I call a vivid vision leaning on Cameron Hurl's concept. Uh, a number of years ago, I'd sit down along with my co-founder, written out kind of 10 pages of, of a vivid vision what I see that we can we can do within the next 10 years. And that drives now everything that I do, including this podcast, including our own podcast. So the, the, the fallout of that vision has been dedicating myself along with my co-founder, Claire, to, to write a book over the last two years. So Simple Scaling, 10 Principles to 10X Your Business. Uh, that's been quite a journey in itself. Uh, the ScaleX Insider podcast, which uh, you kindly mentioned earlier on, Amy. The, you know, we're now in our third, uh, just completing our third season. So I only started that in May. Again, that's been a wonderful, and each of these kind of are, are wonderful growth journeys for me. I've never written a book. The only thing I'd written previously were kind of uh, corporate emails to, to, to all of our employees and, and some reports. Uh, I'd never written a book. And uh, so that was a, that was a, a kind of a, a process in which I've experienced a huge amount of growth. I've gone on to write, you know, articles that have been published in different different uh, professional journals since. Uh, the podcast, again, no experience of this whatsoever. Uh, the, and again, that's been a wonderful journey, but all inspired by the vision of inspiring, connecting, enabling millions of ambitious leaders of SMEs to scale with purpose. I, I began, once I'd retired from, from the previous business, coaching CEOs on a one-to-one -one basis. And that was purely because a number of people approached me to say, look, I'd like to, I'd like to pick your brains about what you guys did in there. What I came to realize is that sadly, less than 2% of the 400 million SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprises globally, ever achieve scale. Now, the impact of those, if you take it from a UK context, are 5.7 million SMEs in the UK. Only 34,000 of those achieved scale in 20, uh, in, I think it was 2020. They contributed, the of the 5.7 million SMEs, they contributed two trillion pounds worth of revenue to the UK economy. And half of that came from the scale-ups, the 34,000 scale-ups. So if you think of the contribution that scaling companies have on, uh, on, on, on national economies it's significant if we can move the needle on that you know by point not not one percent that will make a significant impact so the the vision has led to the book has led to the podcast has led then i thought well look this isn't the best leverage of my time on a one-to-one -one basis how do i leverage this further we created a program a year-long program mm -hmm. called our skillx accelerator with monthly workshops and, and monthly masterminds aligned to the 10 principles of scaling, which we define within our, within our book in an effort to help more companies scale. And already we're seeing the significant impact of that. You know, we're, we're, we're almost complete in the very first cohort and all of those companies that have come into the program are achieving, um, you know, some of them very significant growth as a result of, of what we've been 
teaching them throughout the program. So the the vision, you know, I, again, I, I, through through the kind of the podcast, the book, the program, the coaching, we're developing a new learning platform uh, next year as well. Uh, again, it's it's in an effort to reach millions of of ambitious leaders of SMEs in an effort to help them scale with purpose. And once they do, what next? <laughs> well, my feeling is that's going to keep me quite busy for, uh, for 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 quite a number of years. If you think, Amy, we're trying to kind of move the needle on the 98% that aren't currently scaling and nudge some of them into the 2%, I don't, I, you know, I think my, my vision is going to keep me keep me very, very busy for, for, for quite some years to come. And along the way, you know, I'm going to challenge myself to do new things that, that enable that growth to happen. So if you take kind of the last couple of years, the, there's a subtle acronym within Inspire, Connect and Enable, which is ICE. And, and ICE has played an important part of my own transformation. You mentioned earlier on, kind of what are some of the, some of the, the defining moments. And one of those defining moments was as part of my own kind of desire to, to do a little bit more inner work. I went on a retreat to um, learn the, the Wim Hof method. I'd, I'd, I listened to a podcast that I've been signposted to a number of years back in early 2019. Uh, Russell Brown was interviewing this Dutch guy called Wim Hof, and he was regaling, extolling the, the, the benefits of consciously breathing, a special type of, of uh, breathing, breath control, of exposing yourself to, to the cold and particularly ice, and actually developing a commitment mindset. So I was just fascinated. I went on a retreat. It was a retreat that lasted 36 hours. And it was the most profound 36 hours in my life. Uh, it was just phenomenal. Myself and my wife. My wife had actually taken me on a, uh, we had planned, it was for a wedding anniversary and we had planned to go as we normally do to a nice spa retreat, enjoy some fine wine and some good food over the course of a weekend. And we were on our way to, to Cork and she disclosed the fact that um, we were going to this retreat center. And I said, oh, goodness, right, okay. I hope there's not too many people there because I just want to sit in the corner and kind of have a nice glass of wine, read some read some books over the course of the weekend. She says, mm, well, if it's kind of, of some news for you. They don't serve alcohol here. It's an alcohol-free weekend. I'm going, oh, no, no. Well, uh, uh, well, look, I'm looking forward to a nice steak. It says, well, I've, I've more news for you, actually. They're, they're, they're vegan. So I said, oh, no, this isn't... Uh, this is this this doesn't bode well. Turned out to be just an amazing, an amazing weekend. And through that, then I went then on a, a, a week-long retreat, <laughs> which seen us walk across the cliffs of Moher in, in, in our shorts and nothing else, only our boots uh, in November whilst there were kind of school trips there kind of wrapped up in their North Face gear. And that was the kind of the culmination of the, the week's training to, to take control of your mind and consciously warm the body whilst you went on this you know, 90, 90 minutes hike across the cliffs. And it was like it was kind of one or two degrees. And, and again, kind of 
that had a profound impact. And I decided, look, people need to, people need to know this, uh, you know, and, 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 and certainly within the business community, my part of what we're doing, I don't, I don't, I, it, we will not have achieved what we've set out to achieve if we're encouraging business leaders to scale their businesses, what I say, kind of encourage them and lead them up scale Everest. If they reach the summit of scale Everest and they're broken and they're broken mentally and physically, if the relationships, their close relationships are frazzled and um, their team are completely um, you know, also destroyed as a result of the scaling effort. That's not what we're trying to do. So it's so critically important that that actually, with our program and the very first principle of scaling, is psyche. They're all they're all P's. The, the the second principle is purpose and vision. The third principle is around people. I'll not get into them all, but the first principle is psyche. And I believe you know before you understand or or need to understand the mechanics of scaling a business, you need to understand the mechanics of scaling your own mind. And the Wim Hof method is a fantastic way to 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 begin to learn about yourself, taking control of the breath, understanding the 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 power of the breath, understanding the power of cold exposure and how taking control of your mind through the breath, you can build resilience. You know, resilience is a word that's overused in business. And, and I'm often asked, how do you build resilience? Well, the ice and, and even a 30-second shower at the end of a warm shower is a wonderful way to get start to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Scaling a business is hugely challenging. It's why less than 2% of businesses ever do it. But actually, it's achievable, but only if you start to do the, the inner work. If you, if you commit yourself to, to personal scale-up before you embark on kind of business scale-up. And what we do is kind of hand-in-hand hand with the program, embedded within that is a focus on, on the leader's the, the, the inner work the leader should commit themselves to in terms of actually building that resilience, creating a, a robust and resilient mindset in order to kind of overcome the, the challenges of scaling. And what this demonstrates to me, Brendan, is a perfect example of the ripple effect, because what happened was you were signposted to listen to a particular podcast episode. And as a result of that, you then became aware of Wim Hof. And then your wife booked that retreat. What would have happened to the way that you are working and leading leaders if you hadn't have had those two ripples? It would have been hugely different. We're doing something that I don't believe has been done anywhere else globally. So I committed to becoming a qualified Wim Hof instructor. So I spent two years actually uh, completed the fundamentals program, then the master's program, and then the 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 or the advanced program, and then the master's program. I, I went to Wim Hof's house where his academy is. Met Wim a couple of times. An amazing guy. You talk about somebody with a purpose to kind of bring this method uh, to the world to make people happy, healthy, and strong. And that's not just a throwaway remark. That kind of the, the method leads to happiness by reducing inflammation, uh, helping re uh, release serotonin to health in terms of increasing your your immune system, making an immune system uh, more robust and, and stronger in terms of the actual mindset work. So, you know, it's not, as I say, it's not just throwaway. Yeah, the, the Wim Hof method is now embedded within our program. 
And it was really important to me that whatever we did in the program, I made loads of mistakes scaling the business, uh, you know, loads of mistakes, but was always curious to, to learn and grow. In fact, when we embarked on, on our scaling journey, scaling actually wasn't a thing. So it's only entered the business lexicon in the last, I think the last seven or eight years, really, uh, triggered by a lady called Sherry Katu, who I had on the podcast recently. She, she founded a company called Interactive Investor and scaled that. It recently was sold to a company for one and a half billion uh, a remarkable lady, and then she founded the Scale Up Institute, or, or produced the first significant piece of work around scale ups back in 2014. And that was the the first time that this word scaling really came into the the business world. And so, for me, it was really important that, in terms of the mechanics of scaling the business itself, that everything that we're coaching within our program that I have authentically lived, I can eyeball. The, the leaders, the CEOs who come into our programs, I know if they're you know, turning over 10 million at the moment and struggling uh, in relation to the development of their process, I can eyeball them and say, I know exactly where you're at right now. You know, the guy who's coming in or the girl who's coming in and she's leading a 30 million revenue business. And again, challenges might be slightly different. Again, I can eyeball uh, her and, and, and again, empathize, know exactly where they're at and say, look, we tried this, this and this. It didn't work. This is what worked at that at that, that particular inflection point within the business. Uh, so, so the program has been written not from a consultant's perspective in terms of you know what they feel will work, but I from the from the kind of the years of of trial and terror in many respects of trying things and failing and then you know trying again and 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 finding things that worked in our scale up journey and a big part of that for me has been the work that I've done on a personal level over the last four or five years on a from a personal scale up perspective and the the Wim Hof method I was always big into my sport in terms of I feel if you're physically healthy it you know I trained this morning and immediately you train in the gym. Your, your, your emotional state changes. For me, it certainly does. You, I cannot, I don't think I've ever left the gym and I haven't felt stronger, more focused, more motivated. You know, it just changes my emotional state. Now, I accept that not everyone wants to go to the gym every time they need to change their emotional state. The Wim Hof breathing method will do that with as little as 15 minutes a day of, of daily breathing exercises. So incorporating that into our program, I feel is something that's very, very accessible. And, uh, and actually what we're finding is that business leaders, the, of those that have come onto our program have started to incorporate breathing routines into the, 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 the start of their own meetings. And there's lots of science around that to suggest that people who uh, who are in, a, let's say, a, and, a, and I kind of I don't want to oversimplify this, but a parasympathetic state in that meeting access wider portion of their brains than those who are in fight or flight. Let's say in a sympathetic, if they're coming into those meetings with a level of anxiety and. Uh, about the agenda, about something that's going to be discussed, well, then you're only accessing a certain portion of your brain at that point. So and lots of research to support this. The Navy SEALs, for example, 
will perform an exercise called box breathing, which they borrowed from pranayama yoga. And that's a very simple exercise to, to inhale for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds. And they will do that collectively. There's a guy, a great writer called Stephen Kotler, and he, he uh, referenced the Navy SEALs in his book, Steaming Fire, about their practice of breathing collectively before they went on a very intense mission. And they not only calmed themselves, their biggest challenge is actually not pulling the trigger instead of pulling the trigger, you know, it gets them into a, a calmer state. And, and from a, in terms of them acting as a unit, it sinks them as one unit. So part of the vision is actually to, to transform what happens around boardroom tables and for us to, to sit, you know, to stand before our meetings and just perform a couple of minutes of breath work and, and make better decisions. And I love that. And I love the fact that it was also something that Camilla mentioned had really transformed her world with the breathing as well. So it's really, uh, there's a really great synergy here that the people that have brought us together, uh, well, the person that brought us together has been around breathing. And yet here you are that shared this incredible journey that you've been on having sort of almost had that serendipitous moment of stumbling across the Wim Hof method and then being able to bring it into something that's going to create the impact that you're looking for. It, I love it. It's fantastic. It also makes me think of all the things that are out there that you're not aware of, you know, that you don't know that could also build on and help you with helping to scale these businesses so that they, you know, you're moving that 2% dial closer to, well, not the 98%, but certainly, you know, the other way. What is it that perhaps you've recently encountered that you're going to be exploring more of? That's a great question. I was speaking to my own Wim Hof mentor, a wonderful guy called Neil O'Murahu. And I met with him last week. Actually, we went for we went for a hike in the in the, in the woods here. And we were discussing how to take the breathing a little bit deeper and something that I plan to explore and, and certainly introduce to, to the program is uh, cacao. So the, you know, t t having a cacao ceremony. So cacao is just the, the kind of the extract from, from cocoa beans. So one of the, one of the most potent antioxidants that you'll find naturally. And it's something I haven't tried before. So I'm keen to explore that and, and just to take the, the breath work further than than what i'm currently taking it and also we plan an expedition next year it's something that i've wanted to do ever since i had heard that wim hof actually did this he scaled kilimanjaro in his shorts and, and boots and took took people up and down the mountain in in less than 32 hours which previously it was unheard of you know it, you had to train extensively to go up and down Kilimanjaro in I think five days and, and here he was doing it in, in less than 32 hours in a pair of shorts and uh, I just think that's that's incredible so uh, definitely exploring the cold further and uh, so the, the plan will be over the next couple of years to to plan a trip like the Kilimanjaro trip and certainly to to take the breath work a little bit further as well. 
Yeah, and I just want to put a, a bit of a public safety announcement out there. We're not endorsing that you go out and do this as a, a training set process uh, that you need to go uh, through first. Uh, ab absolutely. And this is so important because there's a lot of stuff on YouTube at the moment. And, you know, we're we're cautioned as instructors to beware of the, the YouTube breathers, the people who have seen Wim. I mean, Wim Hof has been exploring his body and and where he can take the breath for for the last 40 years, 50 years since since he was a, a young teenager, a young boy in Holland. And he first experienced the ice when he when he jumped into Beatrix Park when it was frozen over. And, you know, but he's been on this exp exploration for for 40 to 50 years and people are seeing what he's doing on YouTube and trying to replicate that. And that's not the starting place, you know, and, and certainly, uh, you know, the the safety around the cold exposure and the breath work to to actually uh, overcome the cold exposure is different from the breath work that you'll see around the kind of the specific Wim Hof breathing method. So so I'm glad you've raised that, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. Look, but what I would say is everyone can turn their shower to, to cold for 20 seconds at the end of a warm shower. And over the course of 20 days, you know, increase it, you know, to 25 seconds to 30 seconds and try for for the kind of with we talk about the 20-day challenge, try and take it up to two minutes. And there are a host of physiological benefits which occur as a result of you being exposed to the cold. The first is the release of norepinephrine, and that's a wonderful enhancer it's a it's a hormone and a neurotransmitter and you'll, you'll know this from coming out of kind of the I, I know when we went to the seaside as kids and you come out of the the, the freezing Atlantic on a what your mother was trying to convince you was a warm summer's day uh, and it was maybe only seven or eight degrees they you you feel attentive you feel awake you feel focused you feel more diligent and that's all as a result of the release of norepinephrine. And you'll get that from a cold shower in the mornings. We have, which again is incredible, 100,000 kilometers of, of arteries, blood vessels, veins running throughout our body, which is enough to go around the world two and a half times. Now, my father has had heart disease, my mother's had heart disease, my grandparents, and so I was very conscious of the things that I could explore to help my cardiovascular health, health and cold exposure is, is brilliant for this in terms of the, the cold is a vaso, a norepinephrine is a vasoconstrictor, which means it narrows your veins and arteries. But whenever you start to warm up, uh, you vasodilate. So your, 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 your 100,000 kilometers of your network, your cardiovascular network gets a, a workout going from the cold to the hot. And because we've existed now for so many years in these kind of overheated environments, they, a lot of these, a lot of our cardiovascular system never gets stimulated. So I challenge, that's the one thing uh, I would challenge people to try if they take nothing else from this podcast other than just try and turn the, turn the shower to, to cold for 20 seconds at some stage over the over the over the course of today or or this week and uh, and, and 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 trigger a habit which will change your life 
And you know, this is what I love about this podcast, because every conversation around purpose goes into completely different directions. I did not know at the beginning of this episode that we'd be talking about cow-cow nibs and we'd be talking about the benefits of Wim Hof as well. And my husband recently, and he'll be delighted, I, I can see him smiling now he's editing the, the episode right now, because he's been endorsing the cow-cow nibs particularly he uses. Right. And, and he's been saying, oh, you try this, try this. And I'm like, yeah, because it does, it does, it increases levels of i think it's serotonin and do dopamine but it all which obviously impacts your your mood but it's also against uh, again a really good health for lowering risk against heart attack and stroke i mean there's there's loads of benefits but yeah absolutely i i recently came back from a weekend or a few days with my husband from iceland and we were we did some thermal sequencing which involved ice and and heat and it was fabulous. I really really enjoyed that. Uh, although I I do I do like that moment when you come out of the ice plunge area and then your body tingles all over. Yeah. But I do like going back into the warm lagoon again. That's really nice. And, and the thing is, we all do. People yeah. will say to me, you know, do you you enjoy the cold? Nobody enjoys. You know, an ice, an ice bath. People tell me, you know, do you get used to it? You don't get used to it. What you do get used to is the training or the practice of focus before you go into it. But you never get used to the ice. This way, the same. I mean, the the cold is a wonderful teacher because if you're not focused, and it's the same whether you, you know, you take the method of the the breathing that you practice before you go into an ice bath, and that's it would to to actually overcome your body's innate fight or flight mechanism and that's exactly the same practice whenever you've received a difficult email from an employee or a customer maybe and previously I would have had I would have been inclined to react to those now uh, I can I can respond as opposed to reacting. And the, the greatest lever we have of controlling our, our emotional state is actually the breath. And, you know, it, it's just so accessible. This is what I, you know, this is what I find so profound, but this is just so accessible. But the lack of awareness around is incredible. Now, in saying that, so there's been some wonderful work by the likes of Patrick McKeown, who I had on the, the podcast recently. He's now written his 10th book. One of those is kind of his seminal works is Oxygen Advantage. But he's got a wonderful book called Atomic Focus. And I encourage your readers. It's so accessible. My, my daughter read it recently prior to her exams. And um, James Nestor wrote the wonderful book called Breathe. Again, he, uh, he you know, he unearthed the power of the breath work, which and he references Wim Hof and that he references Patrick McKeown, he references, you know, other authorities around the kind of the, the power of the breath in that book. And that's a kind of it's it's a wonderful introduction to the the power of, of breathing. So yeah, it's uh wow. who would have thought we've covered the the cacao, breathing, ice, sand, scaling, yeah. You, you literally just, I was just about to summarize. I was going to say, because you started out with the, with the fact that we were talking about the transformation and the transform, transformation does not stop with you. And you've taken us from sand to ice to cow cow to breath. And you've woven into that the purpose, the sustainability, the authenticity, the, the impact and the growth. And yeah, there we go. This is how 
what as I said earlier, I don't know where these conversations are going to go, but I just listen and we explore and we journey on together. So I just want to say thank you. What a great conversation. How would people get in contact with you, Brandon? They can email me on bmcgurgan at simpleskilling.com. I'm on LinkedIn. That's the, the the only social media platform I'm really active on. So yeah, uh, you'll, you'll find me, Brendan McGurgan, on, on LinkedIn as well. And of course, you can jump onto our website, simplescaling.com. And uh, yeah, uh, easily reached. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. How would you like to leave the audience today? This is this is a question. So I often ask, well, not often, I ask in every, and I, and I pose the same question to you, Amy, you know, to leave our listeners with three timeless takeaways. And the one that comes up time, time again, which I can really relate to, is own your own experience. So there's no one else to blame for the results that you're getting in your life. If you have difficult relationships, look at yourself, don't look at the other person. If you have, if you're not um, achieving the, let's say, the financial results that you want in your life, again, look at yourself. Don't seek to blame your boss or your company. Look at, look at yourself. Uh, the, if you're, you know, from a, from a, from a health and well-being perspective, if you're not feeling it again, don't blame the gym instructor. Don't blame the fact that there isn't a gym close or, you know, it's coming up to Christmas or, you know, own your own experience in all respects of your life from a physical perspective, mental, spiritual, kind of emotional. Start with yourself. And it's amazing what happens when you start to look inwards and, and try to polish from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. Uh, so, yeah, what I'd say, own your own experience, Amy. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.